chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, thank you praise team, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, thank you family so much for being here today, and thank you for coming into the sanctuary, I've had dreams and visions of standing in my preaching place again, and thank you, I know it's hot, but I'm so grateful that you would give me this privilege to preach from this pulpit one more time. Uh, please, uh, if you need water, do not hesitate to raise your hand. We want to keep you hydrated. Second Kings chapter four, one through seven. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then she said, or he said, go and borrow vessels. Borrow them from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then, pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Watch out there. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son bring me another vessel yes and he said to her there is not another vessel and so the oil ceased then she came and she told the man of God and he said now go daughter and sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest and all God's children said amen Turn to the neighbor next to you, look him in the eye, tell him, neighbor, neighbor. pastor's back, pastor's and he want to talk to you today about this subject. About this subject. Are you using Watch out, man. what's in your house? Amen. Are you using what's in your house? You may be seated.
Family, have you ever been in a situation where you look like you were not going to make it? Have you been there, Jacqueline? Have you been so depressed and stressed out over your present circumstances and it just looked like there was no hope nowhere around you? Have you ever been ready to throw in the towel, Brother Tim, and give up on living? Then if you have, this text is for you. This text has your name on it. And, and I want you to know that this text teaches us that when life gets you down, there's always hope for the child of God. I feel like preaching today. Y'all going to help me? We can learn today from this text that God is concerned about his babies. And as we study this passage, we can also discover that there is no need that our God can't fix. And there's no trouble that's bigger than God. I wish somebody had hollered with me, trouble can't beat my God. Let me give you the background of the text. One of the associate preachers who belonged to the school of the prophets had died. And as a result of his sudden death, his family was left, Reverend Moore, with a great financial crisis. It appeared, son, that the preacher had owed a businessman in the community some money. All right, man. And as a result of that, he left his family with a debt to have to settle his account. And because they didn't have the money to pay, the man, the businessman, was now able to take his boys and bring him into his business as slaves. The second thing we see in the text is that this widow who he was married to has been left to try to handle this crisis. Now look at this. She doesn't have no money. She doesn't have any support. And she doesn't have anybody who can intercede on her behalf. And as a result, the trouble in her world becomes insurmountable. It becomes devastating. And unlike anything she's ever been in before. And it's here on the backdrop of this information that you and I drive into this conversation. And we get to see her coming to her father in the ministry to find out, Mother Washington, just what she should do. Can I open the text for you? There are three things in here, Sister Moore, I think will bless us. Number one, we need to look at the woman's problem. Number two, the woman's provision. And then number three, the woman's prosperity. Amen? Point number one, the woman's problem. The text says in verse number one, if you'll keep your Bibles open with me, a certain woman of the sons of the prophets, she cried to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant or your son in the ministry, he feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Uh, daughter Sandra, when we arrive at this portion of the text, we see, daughter, that the widow first approaches the preacher and reminds him of who her husband was. Can I say some more? Before she pleads her own case, 
She reminds the father in the ministry how faithful his son was to him while he was living on earth. The text says that she said, your servant, the one who walked with you and talked with you, the one who helped you in the school of the prophets, the one who spent time with you, who followed your advice, that that son is dead. The second thing she says is you know that he feared the Lord. Here it is. This statement is powerful in that she is literally revealing the legacy of ministry that her husband had while he was on earth. He feared the Lord. In other words, he was a man who obeyed the word, followed the word, taught the family how to trust God. God was first in his home, obeyed God, served under Elisha. And then thirdly, what she does is she raises the severity of why it is she's come. She says, the creditor is coming to take my babies. This is interesting because she feels close enough to the prophet to reveal the desperate case that she was handling. Here it is. She feels that if you were able to tell my husband how to live and teach him what to do, then maybe you can tell me what I need to do now that my husband is gone. Here it is, because her husband feared the Lord, she believed that the same God he served would now do something on her behalf. Yeah. Can I work right here, y'all? There are several things, Brother Tim, in this verse that are not normal to understand. And here it is, and I've got a few problems right here. Number one, what was hard to understand that the situations of life have made this woman a bad steward. Did y'all catch that? She wasn't doing anything wrong, Sister Terry, to get this trouble in her life. Can you look at somebody and tell them sometimes life ain't fair? Y'all catch that right there? I said life had did this to her. The situations of life brought this to her. She inherited debt of her husband and was now in distress over the situation. And as a result of what her husband had did, she was in trouble of losing her babies to slavery now. Here it is. She had no way to escape this creditor. She was what you and I call a debtor to the law of Moses. See, the law of Moses said it was perfectly okay for this businessman to do what he did. Are you with me here? In other words, it was okay for him to take her babies and she didn't have a word she could say against the word of God. Can I say some more? It was real, y'all. Her trouble was real. And God was backing up the one who was causing her trouble. I need to pick a pen in there and just water for me. What do you do? When trouble is in your life and it's okay with God. What do you do when God has allowed your circumstances to be what they are in spite of who you are? This woman in the text finds herself in the seat of suffering. And a sovereign suffering. In other words, she didn't do this to herself. This ain't the devil doing it. 
This has been ordained by God. And she's sitting in that place having to endure what she endured. In the case of this woman, she was only entitled, here it is, Mother Washington, to grieve. Did you catch that? That's what she's entitled to, her tears. She, she's entitled to grieve. But what I like about this text is that God is going to show us something. Watch this. He's going to honor his word by allowing the creditor to have the authority that he has. But he's also going to do the supernatural in the life of this woman so that she can learn how to trust God even when she don't understand God. I feel like preaching today. See, sometimes God allows the trouble in your life so you can get to know him better. I ain't been a Christian all my life, but the majority of it I have, I've come to find out something, Brother Jacob. I don't pray to God like I ought to pray until a little trouble come my way. You don't get to know God in the seasons of your blessings. You get to know him in the seasons of your suffering. That that's when your prayer becomes sweeter. Hey, help me, Holy Ghost. That's when you can sing, I give myself away. Hey, come on, help me sing it. I give myself away so you can use me. I found out that when God is blessing me, sometimes he got to chase me to catch me. <laughs> Am I talking to you right there? This woman is situ in this situation where the trials of life have come. Have you ever noticed too, and I'm gonna get off of it, but when the trials of life come, they always come big. And they always come in waves. Minister Easley, here's what I've discovered about life's trials. They bring headache, worry, they got some cousins, can I give them to you? Talk about Doubt. Fear, yeah. anxiety, Come on, suffering, yeah. and that has other cousins. And it brings physical problems, yeah. emotional problems, yeah. mental problems, yeah. and they bring in unfavorable side effects. Can't eat, yeah. can't sleep, yeah. and appetite's gone with your hip, and they make you want to quit. Yeah. And throw the towel in. Watch out. I stopped by to tell you if you just hold on, yeah. our God will show up. And He will provide, Daughter Jackie, instructions yeah. on how to get through life's trials and tribulations. Yeah. Is there anybody here today knows that God will show up? Yeah. Won't His word be a lamp unto your feet yeah. and a light unto your path? Is there anybody here today ever been in a fix where you needed for God to show up and tell you what to do? When Pastor Moore called me a few weeks ago, told me where we were as a church, I said, Lord God Almighty, what are you doing? You promised us, Lord, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I said, Lord, that's your promise. He said, yeah, but I didn't tell you that trouble wouldn't happen. 
Are you listening here? And I then began to understand that there is a prefix to this text. Can I share it with you? We are like the woman in the text. Y'all know the church is the bride of Christ. The husband, my son, is no longer here as the former pastor. That's my son. He's gone. He's removed. Right? But he's left us with some debt. Yeah. Whoa. And if we don't do something about this debt, our babies are subject. Are you listening here? To being taken by another debtor. And it's perfectly okay with the law of God. So we need for God to do what he's going to do in the life of this woman. I wish I had a witness in here. Y'all going to help me preach here? What, guess what she does? She goes to the father of the boy who ain't no longer here. That's what he did. He called daddy and said, what shall we do? And I stopped by to tell you today, there's an answer for what we're supposed to do. And here it is in the text. Can I give you point number two? I've talked about the woman's problem. Let me show you now the woman's provision. Verse 2 said that Elijah said to her, How can I help you? Baby girl, what do you want me to do? Then he said to her, Tell me. Here it is. What do you have in the house? Your servant has nothing, she said. All I have is a little oil. And Elijah said, well, here's what you do. Go around in the neighborhood and ask all your neighbors for some empty vessels. And don't ask for just a few. Then I want you to go inside. Watch this now. Cheryl, she said, shut the door behind you and your family. Then I want you to pour that little oil into all those vessels. And as you fill them, put each one to the side. Can I work right here, y'all? Mr. Easy, I find in the text that the first thing we see in the verse is that God sent the woman to the preacher to ask for help in her crisis. And it's in her desperation that she believes that the man of God has the answer for the trouble in her situation. When I look at this verse, I see that there is value to having a pastor-member relationship. Come on. Y'all listening? The pastor don't have the resources, but he got the answer. She came believing that the man of God had the answer deep to the situation. The woman knew that her husband was a son of Elisha's ministry and that she could trust his father in the ministry to tell her what she should do. And because of her faith, God, yes, was able to use Elisha, his servant, to tell her what to do. I just dropped something right there. Can I go back and pick it up? Because of her faith, God was able to use Elisha 
to give her the instructions that she needed for her crisis. Okay, I missed somebody, so here's the application. God wants to use the preacher in the earth to help you too. The preacher ain't your enemy. Can I say some more? He's called in the Old Testament a seer. Somebody that God can show a problem to and give the answer to just for you. Here it is. He wants to use the man of God to give you divine instructions on how to get out of life-threatening situations. Amen, amen. Okay, let me say it another way. God gives to Elijah divine discernment, Mr. Cliff, and divine wisdom. Watch this. To challenge the woman to step out in faith and do the impossible. Okay, let me say it another way. God doesn't step out of heaven to come and fix her problem. He uses her (laughs) to fix her situation. Here it is. Because God wants all of the credit and the glory for what he was going to do for her in the earth. The first thing we see is that Elisha, under the instruction from God, asked of her an earthly question with intentions of directing her to heavenly resources. I'm going to take my time and waddle through here, all right? Look at what he says. What do you have in the house? He said, daughter, what did your old man leave you? What has God given you that you might have overlooked? That's already in the house. What's in your possession right now, Tim? What do you have that can be of some use for God's glory? Here it is. What do you have that the Lord can magnify right in front of your eyes? I believe he asked this because everybody has something that God can use. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you holding something, you holding something that God wants to use. Why, why you say that, Pastor? Because God blesses everybody with something. Even in their poverty, Reverend Moore, they have something that God has given them. Even in their sadness, Sister Kim, God provides you with a resource or two. There's no such thing as a broke Christian in the kingdom of God. What? Y'all catch that right here? Your stuff might, might not be shaking together, pressed down, and running over, but you got something. Yeah. <laughs> I find somebody telling you, hold something, you hold something. You know what I found out, daughter? Even in their sadness, God provides you with a resource or two. Yeah. It, it might not be much, might not be expensive, might not be valuable or cherished. Might not be priceless, Sister Tawana. Might not be gold, silver, or bronze. But whatever you have in your possession, God can use for his honor and his glory. Second thing I noticed that he does in this text is he tells this woman to do something strange. Are you with me? He says, once she reveals what she has, now go, watch this now and borrow some jars. 
and take what you have and use it. Now, this was not logical because what did jars have to do with her financial situation? Are you in here? Come on, lean in, let me talk to you. Here we see that God is getting ready to take her insufficient resources and use them for his honor and his glory. Now what he asked her to do, Sister Moore, is not logical. Can I pause and tell you that ain't nothing about faith logical? <laughs> if it's logical, you don't need God to do a miracle. It's called faith for a reason. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hopeful. It's the evidence of things not seen. Can I help Can I help me? You can't handle spiritual problems and crisis with logic. <laughs> you gotta handle the crisis that God give you supernaturally. It's gonna take supernatural faith for God to restore the glory of this house. Can I argue my quest right there? When he gave it to us, it was supernatural. What makes you think logic gonna bring it back to its original cause? You got it through fasting and prayer. Guess how he gonna sustain it through what? Ain't nothing logical about this work. Let me just, I feel my help. Can I say some more? Running Wendy's is logical. <laughs> Working for the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts is logical. Everything about the church of Jesus Christ is supernatural. And you can run God's church with a logical perspective of how business is supposed to be done. Because it's a spiritual organism. It's not a logical organization. The church is born from above. And she operates with a supernatural component. I feel like preaching something. Can I help myself today? Whenever the child of God is in trouble, oftentimes God asks you to do things that are not logical. Uh, he instructs you in this manner because he wants you to trust him for the answer from up above. Ain't nothing logical about commuting from California. I watch people when I tell them that. They say, I say, yeah, that's what he told me to do. And I'm not gonna do nothing else until he tell me do that next thing. Are you with me here? Because it's supernatural. Now check this out. Elisha knew that God could provide and would provide. You see that there? Elisha knew that God could take a little and multiply it into a lot. Look at somebody good looking and tell them multiply, multiply. But watch this. The preacher had to get the woman to trust in the word of the Lord and to obey the command of God in order to receive what she was in need of. Did y'all hear me? Elijah could have called God down himself to fix it. But this wasn't about Elijah. 
about the woman. I wish I had a witness right here. This ain't about Wilson. It's about new beginnings. Are y'all in here now? And what God wants new beginnings to see is that new beginnings can work. If he let Elijah do it, she would put her trust in Elijah. If he let Wilson come and fix it, Wilson will be the one y'all be looking at. But he's got to get all of us speaking with him to see that he's the one. <laughs> I feel like helping myself today. He's the source of all of our blessings. Can I say amen? But all the preacher was trying to do is raise her expectations. You see that right there? For what God could do to have her by faith work out what she believed before it even happened. I lost somebody. Let me say it this way. Reverend Moore, this is what I call a word of expectation. Yes. He gave her a word of expectation. Go knock on some doors. Borrow some jars. She didn't know what was going to happen, but she should have acted like she was expecting God to do something. Ah, <laughs> uh, here it is. I think you'll get this one. He needed the woman to make room for the blessing before the blessing ever came down. I got a witness here? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean, Reverend? Well, uh, he says to her, he says to her, go borrow some jars, collect them, and then pour out the oil that you have in your jars. Here it is. He wants her, yeah, to believe and prepare. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we do one and not the other. It's easy for us, Brother Easy, to run off of 11 years ago blessings. We remember, but we don't do nothing else. Whoa, pal. Are you with me? He wants you to not only remember, but prepare for what he has in store. Are you with me? Guess what else he needed her to do? He needed her to, yeah, collect the jars and bring them in her home. Why? The jars would be an indication, Mother Washington, watch this, of what she had capacity for. So what he says is go and collect some jars, watch this one little word, from all your neighbors. Did you catch that? If she collected jars from all of her neighbors, Sister Turner, that would be the indication of what she could contain when he started to bless her. Can I tell you, you can only contain what you prepare for. I've learned, Reverend Moore, that in life, sometimes God only gives me what I have capacity for. You, you should tweet that. 
God will give you what you have capacity for. If you don't have capacity to fill up this church, why would he give it to you? If you don't have capacity to win the whole city, why would he trust you with the city? Come on. God needs you to prepare for what you have capacity for. Amen. Okay, here it is. If you don't have room for it, he can't trust you with it. If I don't believe he can get it to me, I won't prepare like I can handle it when it comes. Well, it's hot. And I got to get on across the field. But he says, go get some jars. Make room. Now watch this next part and I'm almost through. He said, and when you get it, this bless me, daughter Solera, go into your house, take you and your babies, and pour out what little you have. Can I say some more? He understood that what she had was valuable. What do you mean, pastor? Oil at this time was a rare commodity. It was used for cooking. It was used for anointing kings. It was used for lighting lamps, for medicinal purposes, for grooming, spiritual purposes, mixing of sacrifices to heal wounds. It was valuable in the marketplace. And she had something that was valuable, she just didn't know what it was. Can I tell you what oil is, is symbolic of in the New Testament? Faith. And in the Old Testament, right? It's valuable. You can't live without it. How do I know? By grace you are saved through faith. And not that of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, the believer can't live without faith. And you can't, are you with me here? Faith gets you in the glory, but not having it will keep you out. You know why people go to hell? They don't go to hell because they act bad or they got sins. They go to hell because they reject their ticket out of hell. What? You go to hell because you don't want the one who can save you by faith from getting there. So it's impossible to live without it. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. This woman had something in her life that was valuable. She didn't have a lot of it, but guess what? She didn't need a lot of it. All she needed was a little. Well, I'm, let me, I'm humming it off. I'm humming it off. But notice this. He wanted Elijah. Yeah, yeah, I need to tell you this. Elisha wanted to remove this woman from the realm of doubt and pull her into the galaxy of hope. I just dropped something right there. She was living in doubt, but he needed her to change her address. And the only way to do that was to relocate to the galaxy of hope. And guess what? When she did this, she had to do it in secret. Are you listening? Lean in for a moment. Lean in for a moment. Let me know you. Lean in for a moment. She, she, she couldn't do this miracle outside. It had to happen inside. She had to put on a public face like she was expecting God to do something. But she had to work it out behind closed doors. Come on, I ain't through. Come on. And guess what? Everybody couldn't see this miracle. Only those who were expecting God 
to do something in their desperate situation had access into the sanctum of hope. Can I say it like I feel? This was a miracle just for the family. This miracle wasn't for Fairfield. This wasn't for Basma. This wasn't for Inslee. This was for Midfield. It was a Midfield miracle. And only those who were in the family were invited to see what God was doing behind closed doors. I feel like preaching in here. Can I say some more? Watch this lady, y'all, because she's at what I call, Reverend Moore, is the crossroads of hope. She either going to believe God or she going to try to do it herself. But the Bible says she went and knocked on some doors. Can't you see it now? Turning these corners in midfield. Baby, you got some Mayonnaise jars I can borrow. You got any unused jars? God sent me to ask you if I can borrow some jars and I'll give it back to you. Nobody questioned her because they knew that her husband was gone. They knew what kind of state she was in. They gave her all the jars they had in the house. Bible says when her and them boys got them jars together, she came in and shut the door. Yeah. And she began to ask them sons, look, Clint, bring me a jar. Bible says that she poured out that little oil and it filled up one jar. She said, give me another. They came and gave her another one and she filled up that jar. Give me another. Brought another one and she filled up that jar. Can I spend some time right there? Can I work right there? You know what I learned in this text? I learned that because she had capacity to expect God to do something, she wouldn't have got as many jars as the imagination can hold. These jars are a picture of vessels. Vessels that needed to be filled. with that oil. Can I tell you that God's got some vessels in this zip code that need to be filled with that oil. And he'll give you as many vessels in here as you have capacity for. <laughs> if you got capacity for 100 members, that's what he'll give you. But if you got capacity for 6,000 that live in this zip code, guess what he'll give you? 6,000. Just in case I miss you. Let me count her blessings for you and I'm through. One vessel means he's got more than enough. If just one come. Two vessel means he's got more to give you. Three vessels means she could trust his word. Four vessels means that he wasn't through with her yet. <laughs> Five of them little jars, yeah, Brother Cliff, means that he was looking out for her needs. Six of them jars meant if she's got room, he's got more. Seven jars reveal that his power is beyond her means. Eight jars means 
that she's gaining confidence in the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Nine jars meant that the blessings he give to her, she won't have room enough to receive. Ten jars meant that she was just getting started and her faith has got to grow to contain the blessing that comes from God. See, the, the, the question or the text was for her, go to your neighbor and get some jars, as many as you can get. That was the answer for the problem in the house. Can I tell you what the answer is to this house? Those empty vessels that are in the neighborhood. And you can't wait for them to come in here. You got to go to their house. Did y'all catch me right there? And tell them the Lord's got something for you, but it's in the house. (laughs) My God, my God. Well, I'm through. I'm through. As I land the plane, let me ask you to put your seats in the upright position. Put your trays up back to the lock position and fasten your seatbelts because there's a powerful clothes right here. The Bible says that she called to her boy and said, bring me another job. He said, mama, it ain't no more. And the Bible says when the last vessel was filled, the oil stopped flowing. This ain't in my notes, but can I tell you? The oil will stop flowing if you stop bringing in lost people. The oil only flows in the house when there's lost people coming into the house. Can I say some more? The Bible says that what she does right here is she goes and she tells the preacher what she's done. Now listen to this. The preacher said something so powerful. He said, daughter, go. Sell what you have. And you and your sons live off the rest. Why is that so powerful? We don't know how many jars she actually collected. But what she collected, she was going to have to live off. Did you notice he didn't tell her that when she was going out collecting it? He didn't tell her to the end. Because what she had capacity for was going to sustain her for the rest of the days of her life and sustain her kids. Can I tell you what sustains the work of the ministry? Is winning lost souls. Bringing them into the kingdom. How do we do that? With great expectation in God. Great faith in God. We have to work it and live it out publicly. But then in behind closed doors, keep pouring out what he gave you. I'm through when I tell you this. The greatest example of the church is the picture of Jesus Christ who lived by faith. He came down through 42 generations. Was born of the virgin girl Mary. Grew up growing in the things of God. When he became of a man, at the age 30, he started his earthly ministry. He did only what the Father told him to do, and he did it by faith. By faith, Reverend Lord, he gave sight to the blind. By faith, he walked on water. By faith, he fed the hungry. By faith, he cast out demons. 
By faith he healed the sick. By faith he called people to follow the kingdom vision. And by faith he gave up his life. He said, no man takes my life, but I give it up. And if I give it up, I'll take it back. By faith he suffered. The Bible says that one Friday night on a hill called Calvary. By faith he let him drive nails in his hands. By faith, he let him drive a crown of thorns on his head, pierced him in the side, throw nails in his feet. By faith, he prayed, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Guess what he was doing? Working to fill up the house. Yeah. <laughs> Working to save lost souls. That one man, Emmanuel, God with us, died that the whole world might be saved. You're here today, beloved, because of him. You're here today, beloved, because he trusted the plan of his father and was willing to live sacrificially that you might be saved. He died, was placed in a borrowed tomb, but the good news is that ain't how the story is. It was early. It was early. I said early. Sunday morning. That he got up with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And that same Jesus, I said the same Jesus, is sitting right now, Mr. Moore, at the right hand of the Father, in the seating for you and I. Found you in the dope house, didn't it? Found me in the jailhouse, saving us. Found you in the dope house, saving us. Can I talk to you? Ain't he a good God? He was working, God, when he found you. That's how he gonna find everybody else. Working. When he found you, he was working. When he found you, Mama Barbara, he was working. When he found you, Sister Trina, he was working. When he found you, Brother Tim, he was working. He's a working kind of God. And right now, he's expecting us to work on his behalf with the same power, the same authority. He's coming back again. And he told you and I to occupy until he come. I'm through preaching, but can I tell you there's no better place to occupy than a place that needs your gifts. We need your gifts because there's a community within a two-mile radius dying and going to hell. The Lord said to me on the plane last time I was on the way here, everything in this zip code, Wilson, I've given to you. I've given it to you. And I'm expecting you to work it until I come. That means every baby, every senior, every drug addict, every gangster, every dope dealer, every liar, and every businessman in this zip code of midfield, God has given to us and given us responsibility for. Through preaching, but let me say this to you just as a reminder. Did you know God don't drop neighborhoods and churches? <laughs> He put churches in neighborhoods. Because only the church can do what God needs done. The mayor can't do it. The school system can't do it. The police department can't do it. New beginnings, you're responsible for what happens in this zip code. That's why he places here. I ain't confused. I'm getting a little round and more bolder as I go, but I ain't confused about that. I was sharing on yesterday. I remember when I walked through them doors. 
And Pastor Gene L. and the deacons of Old First Baptist met me right here and they said, well, Pastor, do you like what you see? I said, it's a beautiful building. They said, no, do you like what you see? I said, yes, sir. He pulled out the keys and said, congratulations. You've got yourself a church. Y'all remember when we came in here to worship that first Sunday? Come on, church. I took a walk down memory lane. Just sat for Friday when I came in. I walked over in the Christian Education Building, Sister Moore, and I went to your classroom. And I looked in your classroom. There was my baby's name, Aaron. LeClint. I saw other names, Jacob. I saw all their little pictures that they drew. They were still on the wall. And God said, all them babies, they grown now. But I gave them to you. But your work ain't done here. Are you listening? God's got work for us. But you got to use what's in the house. Let's give God some praise. 